That's right, Foamies. Another interview podcast starts right now. Hey, Foamies, this is Gabe from Gabe Spotless Window Cleaning. We're here for another Into the Flow podcast. Now, for this episode, we thought we'd do something a little different. Um, we wanted to, to re, re-air uh, a podcast that we had actually done. This is actually the very first podcast that we did for the Into the Flow. We just didn't call it then. This is actually before we even had the idea for the podcast. Uh, a lot of people at the, the time, uh, it was right at the beginning of the COVID uh, a situation and a lot of people were wondering about entering or, or pivoting into uh, sanitizing disinfecting type services or adding on to uh, their current services and so we sat down we did a little talk a Q&A and, and uh, Kevin really helped us to understand a lot of the the uh, things that we need to know if we're going to do anything like that with our business uh, but we thought because the, the cooler weather's coming in a lot of people are revisiting that idea of perhaps uh, introducing uh, sanitizing or disinfecting into their uh, services to compensate for maybe lost time because of the cold. So we thought this would be a nice time to bring it back out again. Uh, a lot of really good points that are covered. Uh, Kevin, uh, as always, does a really uh, good uh, job of explaining and, and helping us to parse through the different uh, uh, techniques and and uh, uh, things we have to keep in mind if we're going to enter into something like this. So anyhow, uh, just enjoy it. It's a really, it's a classic and uh, we look forward to uh, hearing your thoughts on it. So thanks on flow on and uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. Hey, Flomies, this is Gabe from Gabe's Spotless Window Cleaning, and here I'm with uh, Kevin. Say hi, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? And what's the name of your company again? Eco Advantage. Eco Advantage. So, uh, as you know, we're both uh, admins here uh, with the Into the Flow group, and what we wanted to do was just do a brief question, question and answer uh, with Kevin. Um, I know, like, for instance, for me, I'm a window cleaner straight. That's what I do. I do some gutter cleaning. I do a little bit of extras, but my focus is window cleaning. And right now with everyone um, concerned about uh, COVID-19, a lot of people are wondering about getting into sanitizing and other types of general cleaning. And Kevin is the man to talk to because he does all of that and he's been doing it for a number of years. And I think uh, we wanted just to do a question and answer with him so he can kind of help us to know what are some things that we need to, to be careful of, what things we need to know just in general about this. And for many of us, we don't really uh, have any types of certifications or really any knowledge or experience in the sanitizing or, or um, disinfecting uh, type field. So uh, uh, well, let's go ahead and just get started. So um, Kevin, why don't you let us know a little bit about what's the, the, you know, what is sanitizing? What is disinfecting? Does it mean anything? Are they the same? Uh, just fill us in on some of the differences that, that those of us who are wanting to uh, find out more about it need to know. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've seen in reading different posts and different groups is a lack of knowledge and understanding of exactly what you're intending to do. So, for instance, I saw a post where someone was talking about cleaning shopping carts and they listed the process that they did, which was disinfect, clean, and sanitize, which is pretty much backwards. <laughs> so what I'll do is I'll kind of give you an idea um, of what we're, what the definitions are and what your intent should be when you're doing those things. So you pretty much have three levels. You have sanitation or sanitizing, disinfecting, and sterilizing. Now, we're going to, I just mentioned it so that you have that, those words in there. 
but pretty much sterilizing is only going to take place in a controlled environment. So such as an autoclave or a UV uh, container, something where, you know, things are going in and it's a completely controlled environment. So your first level then in what you may end up doing is sanitizing. The definition of sanitizing is taking the, um, I'll say infection or the contamination to an acceptable level. So when we're talking about things like food service, medical, there's accepted levels um, that the CDC and Joint Commission and other things that kind of control what goes on, especially in medical facilities, what they deem is an acceptable level. Um, so when you sanitize, you're, you're, that's what you're doing. You're taking it down to that acceptable level where the majority of things are uh, sanitized, clean. So when you see that 99.9% .9 that a lot of products advertise that they kill, that's really the sanitation part. I see. And, and that 99.9% .9 is the easy stuff. The point. 1% <laughs> that's the harder stuff to kill and typically that's the things that are going to make you the most sick. Yeah, that makes sense. So so would would like just regular cleaning with soap and water be considered sanitizing or do you need something uh, another specific sanitizing product to call it sanitizing? General cleaning has a uh, level of sanitation but it's not considered sanitizing. So you need an actual sanitizer to do that. And that's why when you see products labeled, they may say sanitizer, they may say disinfectant. There's some products that you'll see that have the ingredients of a disinfectant, but they only have, they're only listing sanitize on either the label or on their kill claims. Mm -hmm. And so basically what that's doing then is they haven't gotten, um, an EPA approval to list that as a disinfectant. I see. So everything has to go through the EPA to get registered. And, and to do that, there's testing and there's money involved. So not everybody is going to, so like, for instance, with COVID-19, you see um, the EPA listing of all the different chemicals that are approved. Well, to do that, those companies have to prove that their, their product kills COVID-19. So now you're talking about lab testing and, and generally speaking, anything like that, it's, it's going to, but they have to prove it. So that's where you're kind of seeing some differences in there. And then that's where you get into the level, next level, which is disinfectant. So you kill the 99.9, .9, that's easy, you're done. You're taking things to a safe level. Then you have to go to disinfecting. And disinfecting is killing all living organisms on the surface. Got it. So it's similar to sterilizing, except you're not doing it in a controlled environment. So once you make that jump, and it doesn't seem like much, again, because you're talking about 0.1%, but once you make the jump from sanitizing to disinfecting, now you're talking about a mentality that people are going to have and an expectation that people are going to have that everything is perfectly clean. And even when you're talking about sanitizing, the general public is not going to understand the difference. And if you just say that you're going to sanitize, the good thing with that is if there was ever to be any type of litigation or um, issues that come up, you haven't advertised that you're doing disinfecting, you've made it clear that you're going to do sanitizing, 
Um, so there could be some benefits to legalities there. But again, the general public isn't going to understand that. They use all of those terms uh, the same way and they think about it the same way. So that's probably one of the biggest things is setting expectations for customers to help them understand what's, what's happening. So for example, when you see people um, disinfecting or sanitizing playgrounds, that's a great, that's a great thing. I'm not going to knock that at all. However, you're in a completely uncontrolled environment. It's outside. As soon as that product dries, it's recontaminated. And you have no way of knowing what it's recontaminated with. You don't know what's in the air. You don't know what people that have come up and touched. So that's probably one of the biggest things is, is trying to control an uncontrollable environment can get pretty tricky. Sure. So, so would you say then that someone like me who has absolutely no background in sanitizing, disinfecting, the safest route, at least to start, is to advertise sanitizing as far as protecting yourself legally for any type of uh, things that may happen if, if legally, if someone decides to be upset because they caught COVID-19 after you sanitized their whatever. Correct. Yeah. yeah, correct. Because again, you're just by definition, you're taking things to an acceptable level. That doesn't say you're, you are killing COVID-19. That does not say that you are killing uh, any number of different things, flu, influenza, any of that kind of stuff. Because again, you can't guarantee that what you clean, even if you do the disinfecting part, you can't guarantee what's happening after you leave. Mm -hmm. So that's where a lot of those issues come in. They could, that customer could leave, go to the grocery store, get it on their hands, come home, and, and they have it. And the first call they're going to make is to you because you sanitized their home and they still got sick. So um, I think that's another thing to do is to make sure that people, again, understand the expectations and what you're doing and what they can expect and cannot expect um, to be able to take place. And, and it's not to say that sanitizing and disinfecting isn't beneficial. It is. But again, we're talking about a very uncontrollable environment. And that's where a lot of the, I think the issues can come in, especially for homeowners. Sure. So, so do you recommend then having some type of language as far as maybe like on a, a little flyer or something that you hand to, to the customer and just acknowledging those things that we are sanitizing? These are the benefits of sanitizing your home or sanitizing an office. However, these are the things we can't control. Um, we can't control absolutely getting everything because as soon as, you know, you, you don't have to go into a whole lot of explanation with the client, but just something that helps them to understand that you are not guaranteeing that you are going to get rid of all the, any COVID that's existing in that, in that facility. Yeah. I think language to that effect is good. And I've told a few people, if you want to offer a guarantee, that's fine. One, don't guarantee that you're killing COVID and don't guarantee that somebody's not going to get sick. Uh, the guarantee that I would give somebody is that you are going to use the best products the best practices to sanitize and or disinfect depending on what you're doing, the areas in their home, business, so on and so forth, so that you're acknowledging there's, there's still some type of guarantee there for the customer because let's face it, sales is about reducing risk. And that's what a lot of this is now is people feel a, a great deal of risk no matter where they're going to. And so they want that feeling of sanitized, disinfect, et cetera. So to be able to at least guarantee that you're using 
the best products, EPA registered products, the best practices, the best equipment. Um, those are the things that will that'll help the customer feel good, but that's not putting you into a situation of liability in the future. Okay, very good. So, so now let's talk about the next step then going to disinfecting, if that's something that you wanted to do. So what are some, some things that we, uh, a business owner would need to keep in mind if they're wanting to take that next step into saying, I am disinfecting this facility? Well, certainly an EPA registered disinfectant that's listed on the EPA website that kills COVID-19 to start with. I have numerous disinfecting products. There's most of them are listed on the EPA website. There are some that are not. If I'm going to add a service, so for instance, we're doing quite a bit of work at a hospital here by us. I only use an EPA registered uh, disinfectant for COVID-19. So start with that because then, again, now we're talking about liability because I can use a product that says it kills it, but it's not listed and it hasn't been proven if there was to ever be any litigation or problems going forward, I can't prove that I was able to kill that sure. or that I used the, the right disinfectant. And the second thing, and it applies to sanitizing too, but not quite as important, I'm going to say, or not quite as crucial, kill time. So anytime that you're using a disinfectant, what you what has to be submitted to the EPA is uh, basically what they call a kill sheet. So it's all of the things that they're going to list that their disinfectant kills. And also on that kill sheet is how long it takes to kill it. So there's different things that work. There's hundreds of things that a disinfecting, disinfectant is going to kill. But the dwell time or the kill time is the most crucial. So with COVID-19 being so new, the majority of what we're dealing with, I've seen is it's very similar to an influenza. Um, it's not like it's impermeable. It's not a spore. You're not mm -hmm. dealing with um, really anything crazy, but just to be safe, we're going to the max kill time. So pretty much everything is a maximum of 10 minutes. So what that means is the product there or the surface that you're disinfecting has to be wet with an active disinfectant for at least 10 minutes. And a lot of times what'll happen, especially on vertical surfaces, you'll go to clean and it dries. Now, once it dries, you have to start the whole process over again. So that's where there's different things um, like an atomizer, a misting machine, just getting things wet with a uh, microfiber cloth or disposable microfiber. To, but again, to make sure pre-moistened wipes are great, uh, we use those quite a bit. We use the Clorox Healthcare line. So they're they're pretty heavily saturated. So when we're wiping the surface down, we can make sure that it's getting adequately that, but then we have to monitor that to make sure it's staying wet for the right amount of time. Wow. Okay. So those are probably the two biggest things that that I would say we're dealing with and disinfecting. But then also is to make sure that you're touching every surface. And here's where the issue comes in in a home. There's so many surfaces. Sure. There's so many, you know, especially if you have a house that has a lot of knickknacks, a lot of collectibles, yeah. um, all those things. Unless you touch every single surface, we're talking about all the contents, the walls, the ceilings, the floors, you haven't truly disinfected the room. 
Now you have disinfected probably doorknobs and touch points and flat surfaces and countertops and bathrooms, fixtures, those kind of things. That's fairly easy. But again, now we're, what are we advertising? Or what, what is the expectation of the customer that their entire home was disinfected? Again, unless you've touched that surface, it's maintained and stayed wet for a period of time, uh, the, the right amount of time, that could be, become an issue going in the future. So are there any certifications or classes that you would recommend <coughs> someone taking if they wanted to get into disinfecting? The ISSA class is probably one of the better ones to take to start with because it's a lot of basic information. It's a custodial certification, so it's not a disinfecting certification on its own, but it covers disinfecting. Um, until you really, there's really not, so that's the short answer. Um, we do clean room and compound pharmaceutical lab terminal clean. There's a lot of training that goes into that, but the only certification available is to pharmacy techs. Well, we're not pharmacy techs, so technically, we can't be certified. Even though a lot of the places that we're going in, we know more about the, <laughs> the terminal cleaning and the disinfection than the, the pharmacy techs know because they don't do it every day, there's no certification. So we can get a certificate in, in the, the ISSA. You'll get a SIMS certificate, I believe, that goes with that. Um, at least that's giving you some really basic information. And again, it's a, a feel good point to the customer. They're not gonna know what SIMS is, um, but you can still list that. So like on my business card and, and information sheet that I send out, it'll list that um, I'm a master textile cleaner. I have an RBSM certification. I have a CCT, CCMT, FCT, and I can just keep going down the list. That doesn't really mean anything to the customer. Other than that, I've taken a lot of time to get educated and um, learn about everything that I possibly can learn about. So that's where that really is gonna help. Um, again, it will cover basic disinfecting, some of the things that I've talked about, kill time, uh, making sure you're having the proper dwell time, making sure you're using the proper chemicals, making sure you're using the proper techniques, so on and so forth. So that's probably the best one that I know of right now. Um, and I would be leery of anything that just pops up. So I've seen a couple groups where all of a sudden they are offering a sanitation certification. In unless that's been proven to work and, and it's been around for quite a while, mm -hmm. I'd probably avoid that because, you know, again, I, I guess I, I kind of play devil's advocate a little bit, maybe worst case scenario, but being a business, I, I mean, we kind of do that. Yeah. Um, if you get sued, they are going to pick apart every single possible thing that you have done, the knowledge you have, the, the tools you're using, the processes, the chemicals, everything. So that's where, again, if you at least have some, some certification stuff there, SIMS has been around for a long time. Um, that's an ISSA cleaning certification. Uh, program. So that would probably be the best one to start. And again, just, I would be a little bit leery of anything that's just popping up and all of a sudden, Hey, I'm certified. Well, in what <laughs> and by who, <laughs> right? That, that's the other thing. Who is, who is the, the certifying body? 
And so what's, what's the deal with the IWCA? I know there, there are, I don't know if it's been uh, finalized or not, but there was something with uh, the, um, that was working out with this particular certification, right? Yeah, I think what the, basically the end result would be, and if it's finalized or yet or not, I don't know for sure, but I know it was pretty close to being, is that if you're an IWCA member, you can get ISSA member pricing to take those classes. Okay, that's pretty So cool. typically, in order to take the SIM certification classes, you have to be an ISSA member. And for the majority of people, an ISSA membership is not going to benefit them very much. So the ISSA is the International Sanitary Supply Association. So this is uh, all the manufacturers of uh, anything that has to do with cleaning, um, any sanitary supply, anything that is in that realm, that's where the manufacturers have this um, group. So I think the last time, I haven't had uh, ISSA membership for I think two years. Um, it was 550 or $600 a year just to be a member. Mm -hmm. And unless you're doing a lot of janitorial work, uh, other things besides window cleaning, it's probably not gonna benefit you much. So with having the IWCA work it out where if you're an IWCA member, you can get the ISSA member pricing, that basically cuts it in half. So I think the uh, SIMS class for the basic uh, cleaning, which includes the disinfecting, is normally $300 for non-members. But if you're an ISSA member, you get it for $150. Nice, nice. Well, we'll have to wait and hear from them, see if that gets finalized and, and what the, what we need to do. But that would be a great thing for any, anybody who's looking to get into sanitizing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that would be a huge benefit for uh, any, any IWCA members. And anybody that's thought about becoming an IWCA member, you know, you, you, can, you can get in on that. And I think that also included, uh, let me see if I remember right, a 25% discount on an IWCA membership. Oh, wow. So that was the last I had heard. So you can actually get in, um, so what, that would be $150 instead of $200, yeah. I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can take that class for $150. So what it would normally have costed you to take the ISSA class as a non-member, non you can have the class and an IWCA membership. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a good, good yeah. option. So um, let's talk equipment now. So if I obviously don't have any other equipment other than what I normally have for window cleaning, um, you know, I've got a bunch of rags and, you know, I got yep. uh, applicators and stuff, but what, what are some things that you recommend uh, we invest in that would be one cost effective for someone who's not going to be doing super, you know, extensive uh, disinfecting, but that's going to be necessary if we're going to do a proper job. Uh, some good microfiber uh, cloths towels would be helpful. Uh, we use microfiber for just about everything uh, except for the uh, pharmacy and OR terminal cleanings. We do disposable, but we're also talking about a whole different level there. We're, mm -hmm. we're getting into sporicides and, and things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, And that reminds me, that's one other thing I want to cover before we uh, get off here is the difference between a disinfectant and bleach. Oh, yes. Um, so. I will put a link. I got to look up, make sure I've got the, the website, but I think it's directmopsales.com. Mm -hmm. 
they have really inexpensive microfiber because you can spend a lot of money on microfiber really <laughs> yeah. quick. Um, and they have a variety of different things, the cloths, they have mop heads. Um, so that would be a great way to do that because basically what you can, when we go in to do, well, even a, a terminal clean in a, um, let's say a patient room, we're taking in microfiber mop heads, microfiber cloths. We're pre-soaking those in a disinfectant. We clean all the surfaces. And then once that cloth is done, we get it wet. And once we've wiped everything and it's getting to the point where it's not wet enough, that goes into a bag to be laundered. Mm -hmm. So what you're using is not being dipped back into the disinfectant. Got it. That makes sense. So what that's doing is that's allowing, and it's same with sanitizer. Every time that you go back into that disinfectant or sanitizing bucket, you're contaminating it. So right. all the stuff that's in there that's going to kill stuff is going to keep killing, but it's killing stuff that's now in the water and you don't want to do that. So you get these things wet, you get the microfibers wet, you wipe your surface down, that goes into a bag to be laundered, and then you get another one that's pre-wet, or you can wet it as you go. Doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, Pre-wetting sometimes saves a little time. Um, and there's some things that you can get as far as the mop heads go that they're called a charge bucket. Mm -hmm. We put a certain number of microfiber mop heads into the bucket. You put a metered amount of chemical into that. You seal the lid, you turn it upside down, and you let it sit for 15 minutes, and then you have pre-moistened, pre-wet microfiber that you can just grab and go. Got it. Got it. Um, so that would be a, a great way to get started. So do you, do you um, need do you need specific kind of microfiber? I mean, because like I just buy the pack at Costco because I just use it for sills. You know, I don't use it for detailing. Mm -hmm. um, and I just use surgical towels for detailing on the glass. But like, would you know, it's like, I don't know how much it is. It's like 30 for 15 bucks or something. Is that good enough? Or do you need a specific kind? No, that's kind? fine. Okay. Basically, you just want to make sure you're lint free. Okay, got it. You know, so you don't want to use anything that's going to leave something behind. Okay. So... And that's, that's why we use microfiber. It's, it's really effective and, and it uh, releases the chemical very well. Um, and that would be the difference with, with using a, like a terry cloth or a cotton. One, you're going to mm -hmm. leave some debris lint behind. Right. Um, and cotton is meant, natural fiber is meant to absorb, not to leave. So okay. that's where the microfiber kind of comes in and it's going to help you a little bit better. Got it. Very good. So what, what other equipment do you think? Uh, flat mop heads, um, again, you can get those in conjunction. There's a couple, when you get the, the microfiber mops, there's two different kinds. There's a Velcro where you just basically have a, a mop with a Velcro strip on it and you stick that down. And then there's what's called a pocket mop. Uh, we use both. The pocket mop is nice because there's no Velcro because the Velcro will pick up all kinds of stuff. So when we go into a room, um, we want to make sure we're not bringing anything in with us. So typically when we're doing terminal cleans, we're using the pocket mop because there's nothing, there's no Velcro for debris and, and stuff to get stuck to. And then you can disinfect your um, equipment very well that way too. So you don't want to have, you don't want to use wood, wooden handles. Um, we use stainless steel handles, but those are pretty pricey. You just want to make sure that everything that you're using can be thoroughly cleaned and disinfected after you're, well, before you go in and after you come out. And okay. so that's why the pocket mops are really good. There's just, there's very few cracks and crevices that, you know, are hard to, hard to clean. 
Very cool. Very cool. Um, what about these like sprayers? They like the misters type thing. Um, you had mentioned that using that on, on glass or, or vertical surfaces. I mean, um, is mm -hmm. that something that is a specific use or is that something you can use for a lot of different things? No, you can use it for all kinds of different things. The misting part, um, there's a few different things. There's that, there's a electrostatic, which basically is like powder coat for disinfectant. Mm -hmm. um, the misting sprayers and then atomizers. So, uh, well, and there's foggers too. Uh, what's, what's foggers? What's that? Fogger is what oh, fogger. Is, yep, it's typically what's used in fire restoration. I see. So when I took my fire restoration certification class, we um, got in, got to use and got trained in using um, regular foggers and thermal foggers. So if you act, if you're going to try to get into it, I don't recommend it because one, it's going to be months till you can get equipment, um, and then things are probably going to have died down, and you might not might be not able to use it near as much. Uh, definitely don't go with a thermal fogger. Um, those might be some that you'll see available, but a thermal fogger is uses heat and you don't want to do that. So that's, that's a whole different thing. Um, so we're looking, we've actually ordered a misting machine. Uh, the hospital, I, I sent them the link to it and said, Hey, is this anything that you would benefit from going forward? And they said, yes. So then we bought it, but it's still, awesome. they said it was going to be two weeks and that was, Two weeks ago <laughs> that was four weeks ago oh, and then they're saying it's another two to three weeks out so oh wow so it's right now i would try to keep it simple because again going forward so for instance for you your windows that's what you do if you buy a bunch of equipment so for instance that misting machine that we bought is almost three thousand mm dollars -hmm. if you're not going to use that ongoing from this point on Right. There's just, there's, it's not going to benefit you too much. And yeah, you can put regular cleaner in it and you can spray and, and do things like that, but it's, it's really meant more for the disinfecting part. That makes sense. Very cool. So uh, a couple other things though, the one I don't want to forget bleach. Oh yes. SH, uh, as it's called in the power washing world. Okay. So what a lot of, people think is that bleach is an atom bomb of disinfectants and it's really not true. It still has a kiloton just like everything else. Uh, the downside to bleach is it's very corrosive. So if you are trying, and it leaves a residue behind. So if you are trying to clean the inside of someone's home and you're trying to use bleach, you are most likely going to have a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, so my suggestion would be to stay away from bleach based products as much as you possibly can. What we use a bleach-based product for and what it's meant for in our world of disinfecting terminal cleaning is a sporicide. Hmm. So, for instance, to, in a, again, a medical setting, to kill C. diff, you have to have a sporicide, bleach being a sporicide. Uh, we also use a hydrogen peroxide and acetic acid. Basically, it's, it smells like vinegar because of hmm. the acetic acid, um, but it's a specific mix of it. But again, it's a sporicide, so that's what we have to use in certain situations. One, if it's a C. diff um, contamination, and then in monthly terminal cleans for pharmacies, we have to control possible fungal growth. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, now you're talking about a spore. So we have to use a sporicide. So unless you're talking about C. diff or mold, 
um, some type of fungus. A sporocide like bleach is really just a lot of overkill. Got it. Um, so I wouldn't suggest that. And again, it's I'm I've spent I don't do a lot of soft washing because I've spent so many years preaching against bleach. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very corrosive. It's very hard on the body. It's a nasty chemical. So if you can avoid it, try to avoid it. And if you have customers that are asking about it, um, tell them you're going to use something that's safer. Yeah, that would be Got my it. suggestion. And then the, the next thing would be PPE. Mm, yes. So what you want to keep in mind when you're getting ready, we call it donning and doffing. We don't, it's not called taking on and taking off. But so for instance, when we go into a medical facility and we're donning our PPE, there's two things that we're doing. One is we're protecting the environment from us. And the other one is we're protecting us from the environment. So when we go into let's say a patient room, uh, we go into any, any area in a hospital and we're gonna do a terminal clean, a full disinfecting is basically what that is. Ceilings, walls, floors, the whole nine yards. We're putting RPP on to start with, you know, we're doing hair nets, bouffants, uh, masks, beard covers, scrubs, shoe covers, gloves, all of that because anything that's on us, we want to not bring into that room. But then once we're in that room, we have to protect ourselves from whatever is in that environment. And obviously, you don't want to get into this and then get sick yourself. So that's where um, you just want to be really careful. There's so many things that have been going around about how people are misusing gloves and misusing face mm -hmm. masks and all that kind of stuff. So make sure that you're putting your donning, you're putting your stuff on um, correctly. There is an order that, that it goes through. It's not terribly important when you're talking about a, an uncontrolled environment like a, an office space or a home. But basically, you want to start at the top and work your way down. So if you're going to cover your hair, cover your face, cover your body, cover your shoes. And then what we do is then we will put on, for instance, a second set of gloves when, once we're inside and a second shoe cover. Hmm. So now we're protecting ourselves from the environment. So when we go to leave, we can take that off. We can throw that away. And then we come out of that, that area, that room, that office, and then finish doffing all the rest of it, putting it away. Um, so those are, those are a couple of things that I see. And, and again, it's very true that people misuse gloves. Um, anything that you touch once you have a glove on, once you take the gloves off, I, I, I used to see it all the time when I train people to do janitorial. Um, well, for instance, they would have their gloves on and they would go into a bathroom to clean and then they come <laughs> out and they have a soda on their cart. Well, then they go, they grab that and they, they take a drink and they put that back on their cart. They go finish cleaning. They come out, take the gloves off. And then, then guess what? They grab the same bottle and they, Okay, so now your hands yeah. are contaminated. Oh, I mean, that is and that is something I, because we you know we're using disposable gloves on, on our <laughs> jobs right now, um, even though we're doing mostly exterior only, but just for for appearances. But mm -hmm. it's the same thing, man. Uh, <laughs> how, how many times you know you just are so used to just working, and you just go and you like you say you grab and then you take off your gloves and you're grabbing the same thing that you had that glove that was protecting your hand. I was like ah, yep. you know, I just it's just it's something that it's kind of the new normal, right? We have to get used to 
what when yeah and it's very difficult to get used to that when you're not used to wearing things like gloves and masks and all that other type of any other ppe that you would normally put on if you're not used to doing it there you know for healthcare providers there's a protocol and they understand that because they do it every single day right and even then it can be difficult when we're wearing the masks, like when we go in to do terminal cleans in the pharmacies, we use R95 masks because of the smell. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to breathe through that stuff. Yeah. yeah and when we're putting goggles on. You've got to have strong lungs for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and it can be, it can be, uh, well, again, it's hard to breathe and it can be get very hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be the other thing I would caution everybody is make sure that you're not exerting yourself too much when you have a mask on because even the best mass, you are still inhaling carbon dioxide from yourself. So you can overheat, you can deplete yourself of oxygen. I've seen it where people have passed out because they weren't measured for a respirator and they put a respirator on and they're, oh, they start to kind of hyperventilate. Um, so that might be something else that um, you want to just check on in a lot of, like at the hospital, Technically, to wear an N95 mask, you have to be fit tested. Wow. Now, we don't do that for us because it's just us. And, you know, if, if you feel pretty good about wearing the mask, you know, you should be okay. But just be aware of that. Um, you know, again, a lot of times you have a lot of PPE on. You're going into to clean and it's warm and you get start sweating. And, and you know, like we'll wear goggles. We have mm-hmm. the gloves on. We can't take the goggles off and wipe our face down, you know? So uh, yeah. just be really aware of what you're doing. And, and probably uh, the, the other biggest thing to consider is cross-contamination. So again, you don't want to bring anything into the environment that wasn't there to start with. You don't want to take anything from the environment that you didn't have. And you don't want to take something from that environment to a different environment. So, right. um, you know, change gloves often if you, try to avoid touching your face when you have a mask on, which can be very difficult again if you're not used to doing it. Yeah. So those would probably be the biggest cautions I would give to everybody. Okay. Very cool. So, um, yeah, we've been on for about 45 minutes or so right now. Um, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Um, we, you know, people may have questions after this, after we post this video and we can definitely come back and do another follow-up on those questions. But for now, is there something that the words of wisdom or just advice that, uh, we need to kind of take into consideration before we start uh, spending money on getting involved in, in sanitizing or, or disinfecting. Really just to reiterate what we kind of talked about, um, you know, don't offer guarantees. Make sure that you're using EPA listed COVID specific chemicals, because obviously that's what everybody's concerned about now. Um, protect yourself. Uh, those are probably the biggest things I would, I would recommend to people because again, it's not always about just how you word it and what you think that you're doing. It's the expectation that the customer has. And right now when you're offering even a sanitation, uh, service, the customer is not going to understand the difference between sanitizing and disinfecting. They're going to have an expectation of an, a sterile environment, which is just not possible. Um, so make sure that you set those expectations. Uh, you try to help the customer understand what it is and what it isn't. Um, and again, protect yourself. You, you, you can't underestimate the, the importance of putting your PPE on PPE on properly and taking it off properly so that you're not contaminating yourself. Uh, you know, so you don't want to 
come out of the, the area that you cleaned. And the first thing you're doing is taking your mask off because you're hot. It's hard to breathe. So you, you got your gloves on still and you take your mask off. Well, now again, you've kind of negated the whole process. So um, those would be my biggest cautions. Um, avoid spending a lot of money right now. Again, number one, because you're not going to get the equipment. It's just not available. If you didn't already have it, you're probably not going to get it. It's back ordered until who knows when, and you, you have to be on a waiting list to even get that. So I wouldn't go out and spend a ton of money. Um, soft washing exterior surfaces is fine. If you want to offer that, again, you're trying to control an uncontrollable environment. So setting the expectations um, is going to be, is going to be pretty huge. And, and that should just help you to avoid any problems going forward, not just litigation problems, but just an unhappy customer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cause you know, you could have, problems. yeah, you could have a whole list of happy window cleaning customers and you go in and offer this service and it doesn't meet their expectations or somebody immediately turns around and gets sick. No fault of yours. That could hurt your your yeah. window business window or your power washing business, whatever it is, that could hurt you more than not having uh, cash flow at the time. Yeah. So those would be the biggest things that I would, I would suggest and recommend to people make sure that you're done. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Kevin. I really appreciate it, man. Some good stuff. And uh, we'll definitely check in with you later if we have more questions, but uh, thanks again. And hope uh, you foamies are doing well and hopefully you'll be able to benefit from this information. Thanks a lot. Have a good weekend. See you guys.